There's crispy, and then there's crispy, er. Try our new and improved Tyson crispy chicken strips. Crispy just got crispy, er. Hello, everybody. I'm Bill Roden, and you're listening to HBCU 468, the Roden Fellows Podcast. I'm coming to you from the ESPN studio in overcast New York City. Uh, we're recording this show the week before Christmas, so this is our last show of 2018. Now, this time of year, people make resolutions. After, like, about six decades of making and breaking resolutions, uh, I'm still kind of addicted to them. We'll, we'll get into my resolution a little later. Uh, I'm on the line with my co-host, Alana Barefield from Xavier University in New Orleans. What do you think about resolutions? And uh, Alana, would you care to share uh, one of your own? Hi, everyone. For resolutions, it's really important to stick with them, to really follow through. I wrote down a couple of mine, you know, using social media less, eating healthier, I think we can all agree, and maybe even start to go to open mics. So those are my three. Ah, okay. Open mic. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Isaiah George from Morgan State University is also on the line. Isaiah, what's your take on resolutions? Well, first of all, how you uh, how are you guys doing today, Alana and uh, Mr. Roden? Uh, well, my take on resolutions, I don't necessarily like, like to make a resolution, I kind of uh, make goals, you know, weekly, monthly, yearly goals, and kind of stick that way. Um, so I don't really make resolutions myself. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a member of uh, Equinox, and uh, my resolution for the end of this year, next year, is to really start swimming and to get in some kind of shape. So we'll see. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, what we're going to reflect on today, guys, is basically – Reflections on 2018. Um, first, we're going to finish the discussion we started last week. The, 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 the latter day BB King Jackies. Am I pronouncing that right, you guys? Jackies. Jacquees. 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 Okay. Oh my God. Uh, we're we're going to finish uh, the discussion we started last week about Jackie Jacquees' ridiculous claim or brilliant marketing plan that he's a king of R&B. We offer some competition for consideration. Then we're going to debate the top five biggest sports and pop culture stories of the year. Now, spoiler alert, Jacquees did not make anybody's list. Favorite Christmas songs and movies are also going to be on the agenda. But before we get into any of that, let's talk uh, Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl for a second. Mm -hmm. Anybody remember that? Uh, the NFL announced the mm -hmm. roster for the for its All-Star game, which includes stars like Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Antonio Brown. Now, last year, viewership from the Pro Bowl actually increased for the first time in four years. So my question for you guys is, are you watching football at all? Are you gonna, if you're watching football at all, are you going to watch the Pro Bowl? Or are you just waiting for the Super Bowl? Alana, let, let's start with you. Well, I haven't watched the Pro Bowl in how many years. Uh, my target is the Super Bowl. Everybody's talking about it, especially on social media, who's going to be the two teams. Um, I think the only way that they're going to attract viewers is if their promotions are great, um, televising that. And also, I mean, they have great players that are playing in it, like Jamal Adams, who, are the, who is the face of the New York Jets defense. So, I mean, it will be interesting, but I don't think I'll be watching. I know for a fact that I won't be watching. I haven't watched the Pro Bowl in about, I guess, two or three years now. It's just like it's become like a joke of a game. And I, I somewhat understand it, but it's, it's also interesting to see that a lot of players who aren't even in the Super Bowl, you see so many players that back out of the Pro Bowl, especially getting once you get close to it, whether it's injuries or not. And then once you get in the game, it's so much offense and nobody really wants to play uh hard it's like the game is going like half the speed and it's it it looks somewhat of a joke every time i've watched it and i've talked about it before a couple episodes ago about how violent the game of football is um and it still is so i mean if you're not playing it at full speed 
then there's no point in really playing at all. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I don't know a lot of Isaiah. I mean, just put yourself in a position of playing a really violent game. How do you mm-hmm. go through the motions? I mean, the NBA All-Star game is one thing. You kind of, you know, it becomes a dunk-a-thon. Uh, the uh, Major League Baseball, a little different. But I think when it gets to hockey and football, it's, I mean, how do you go through the motions of playing, as you said, it's, a, it's just a, a vicious game. How do you pantomime? I don't know. If, if either of you guys were playing, would you play? I mean, I wouldn't. And, I, and like I said before, like I understand the people who are saying that they're, they're not going to play. Those are... It's understandable if you don't want to necessarily further uh, any injury to your body that you've mm-hmm. had um, over the season. And also, you cannot play that game uh, slow and, or you get the product that you get with the Pro Bowl in the last couple of years. And, I mean, really, I think they should do away with the game. They probably won't because, I mean, you know, everybody wants to uh, still gain revenue from a game like that. I mean, I think the biggest question that they have to ask themselves is what are they what are they going to lose by going into this game? And how many more years left do they have to play in the NFL? Are they going to the Super Bowl? All these different questions that really depends on each individual player. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this before we move on. Do either of you watch Thursday night football? Because a lot of people say that that's almost as bad. I mean, people play full speed, but, you know, you, you chewed up on Sunday, and then you have a day off, then you play Thursday. I mean, do you watch that? Do you think that's worthwhile? Uh, I believe so. I've watched Thursday Night Football um, since they've started that. And uh, these, I would say this past two years, it's been a little bit more competitive. You don't see as much uh, blowout games on Thursday Night Football. This year a little bit more than last year, but um, I still watch it. And I, rem- I still remember when, I think it was last year, where Richard Sherman tore his Achilles on a Thursday night football game and basically, you know, kind of pointed out the hypocrisy of the game and, and how it-, it-, it doesn't help players to try to get ready for a game in the middle of the week like that. But I still think that those games have good entertainment value, one, because it's, it's still in the season. People care about those games. The players care about those games because it matters on their record. The Pro Bowl, on the other hand, it, it does not. It's after it's it's an exhibition game at the most. And you know, it really depends also what two teams are playing on that night. You know, it's, a lot of people don't want to play watch the game because of after work. It just really depends if that's their team, if they're rooting for that team to actually put it on to watch it. Yeah. Well, you know, we 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 can continue with this. Maybe we'll talk about this after the pro after the Pro Bowl, uh, but. I want to get to the bottom of this whole king of R&B conversation. I'm personally offended as an R, you know, as a baby boomer, you know, R&B is, you know, you don't screw around with R&B, but I want to hear what you guys think. A few weeks ago, Rodriguez Jacquees Broadnecks, a.k.a. Jacquees, made headlines by proclaiming himself to be king of R&B for his generation. Uh, now, he's a rapper and a singer. He's 24 years old. So he's basically y'all's generation. Um, mm-hmm. And he's been signed to a label since 2014, but he dropped his de- debut album over the summer. It's called 4275, which is a uh, homage to his, his address. Uh, no, matter, no matter how you feel about the guy, the collaborations on the album are respectable. Uh, Chris Brown, Young Thug, Wale, just a few of the featured artists. Uh, last week, we shared that Jacquees, declaration was met met with mixed reviews uh but we didn't get to dig into his music or other candidates for the crown so first things first alana what do you think about his music i, I want to hear this from a he's basically your colleague what do i mean you know, he's in your general what do you think about his music point blank period i'm not a fan of jacques i think he's great to do covers i think he's great to do remixes um, but his own music, as his the own his own album, forty two seventy five. I took a listen to it. I really couldn't get into it. I think as an artist, I don't take him serious whatsoever. He hasn't proved to me that he can actually make music, and I think that's the biggest thing of what R and B music is. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm not a fan. I'm definitely a fan of Jacquees. I think he makes good music. Um, in the album we just talked about, uh, 4275, 
Uh, he has a couple of songs in there. Uh, one song that he's been beating over the head over everybody for like the past th- two to three years is uh, Bed. I mean, it's a really good song, and that was the song that I first heard of when I when I was introduced to uh, his music. Um, also, You, that's also been, uh, that song's been circulating on the radio station so much, and it was a song with Trey Songs I can't remember the name of right now, but I think he has really good music, and, and something that Alana alluded to was the uh, the cover music that he does, and one song that's really gotten popular is his cover of of Trip. Um, LMA's trip, which can't even be played on mm-hmm. the uh, on the in the radios anymore because of how much attention it was getting. So I do think he's a good artist. I can't say that I'm not a fan because he makes good music. But um, I think one thing that is that is his downfall, I guess, is not his fault, is being with Cash Money and and how they've handled his music and and when it releases and things like that. Just for seeing how long Bed has been out and the fact that it was on his newest album. Like I just feel like that's a management thing, but his claim of being the king of R&B, I will say he was wrong in that because he's not. But uh, he definitely can sing, and, and he definitely has some good songs on the album. Uh, he has a career, he has a future in front of him, but I feel like he's uh, he's getting a little too ahead of himself with the king of R&B thing. And that's the I thing, mean, Isaiah. When you say that he took LMA's song "Trip," that's what he does. He takes other people's music. I mean, I mean, what we've seen always is that, of course, that other people sample music, especially in the earlier generations. But Jacquees, that's all he does. And I have not seen him make a, a song really go off, especially on social media, on his own platform, on his own music. And I, I want to see that from him. I do think he has talent. It's just I'm waiting for that one hit for to make his career. I'm, I, think he's, I think he's already made hits. Like I said, well, have you listened to 4275? I have. I just I don't see it. If, if my mom really? doesn't yeah, know if... who he is, I don't think he... I don't think he has made his career. Like, my mom's hip. Uh, she knows a lot of music, what's going on. And just a lot of people don't know who he is. I've seen him in concert, even. even and he's still... Something about him, he hasn't won me over. Wow. Well, let, let me ask you guys this. I mean, what do you guys consider R&B? Back in the day, you know, in the 50s and the 60s, R&B was basically kind of black music. It was, you mm-hmm. know... Otis Taylor, Wilson, it was Motown, Supremes. You know, I mean, some people objected because they put, it was like a ghetto. But it was black music. It was, you know, R&B. If you go to the 50s, it was, you know, the uh, Orioles and the doo-wop groups in the 60s, the Temptations and, you know, Aretha Franklin and all that. What do you consider, what do you guys consider R&B? When he says, I'm the king of R&B, what do you consider R&B? And if not him, who is the king or queen of R&B? Well, R&B obviously stands for rhythm and blues, but um, to me, I think all the things that you said still apply to R&B. It's still black music, so to speak. I think uh, the sound has changed just a, a tad, and the topics that um, the topics that R&B covers has expanded. So I, I think it's still that same thing that that you or your generation would see R&B. It's just changed, so to speak, in how it sounds and the the type of people who are in it. Um, but to answer the second question on who I think the king of R&B is and how I think you become it is something uh, I know I saw on, on Twitter. Someone said, is, if you can go on a, a casino tour where, like at a, you're at an MGM or something like that or a, uh, here, here in Baltimore, the Horseshoe, and you can have a concert and all old women are at the concert throwing their panties on stage. I think you made it to the king of <laughs> okay, R&B stage. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no, no, that's saying. seduction. There's a difference. <laughs> hey, Let's listen. not go there, Isaiah. Hey, <laughs> I, name, I can name a couple guys who can go on those casino tours, and it'll be sold out night to night. And I think the, who is the king of R&B, and if, you t- if you're just looking at the music, and not everything outside of what this person has done. I think the king of R&B is R. Kelly, without a doubt. I mean, oh old... I'm, I'm R. Kelly. Oh, if you're looking okay. at the music, I'm old people, young people. I mean, I don't know how many times I've been to an event where people are still doing uh, the two-step to his right. song. You get what I'm saying? I mean, his music will be played for generations, no matter what he okay. does outside of it. But I think that's actually... That's, so you're saying, Isaiah, that it's, that it's almost... 
it, it, to be an R&B singer, it still connects to the black community, but it's a bridge. It's a bridge from one generation to the next, but it's a yeah. bridge that all generations can cross. Do, do, you, do you agree with that, Alain? I, I'm still, I still can't go to the whole panties on stage now. I'm, yeah, I'm, not, still, I'm still taken back from that, but, you know, going back to what you originally asked about <laughs> what R&B is, you know, when you look at the mixing of jazz and blues and the drums and the bass, and it really, I think the biggest thing also with R&B, it's, the artist is telling a story. And I mean, that's the biggest important thing that these artists now we don't get, you know, telling a story or maybe even a love story. If we look at the early 2000s and we see Usher, you know, I think he did a really well job on that, especially with, you know, his hits from You Remind Me Of, My Boo. Um, I don't know if you've heard this other artist, Ro James, you know, with his song Permission. There's artists out there that are doing great things with their music. It's just they're not getting that awareness that they should be. Who's the king of R&B? We don't have one. There, there's, there's none. I mean, even John Legend, he tweeted earlier out this week saying that he doesn't think that there is one, you know, especially if you look at artists like Bruno Mars. You can't say he's the king of R&B. Yes, Bruno Mars is great, but he's in his own category. He's in his own lane. And... I don't know when we're going to get the next king of R&B, uh, hopefully soon. Do, do you agree uh, that it was, do you agree, agree with Isaiah that it was John, uh, uh, that it's um, R. Kelly? R. Kelly? Um, yeah. I'm indifferent on that one. I, I do think R. Kelly had his time. I do think R. Kelly's talented. Um, the king, I, I, I can't agree totally with that. What about, is there a queen of R&B? I mean, when I, you know, we heard, you know, Isaiah, you were at the funeral, uh, Aretha Franklin. Everybody generally agreed that she's a queen of soul. So two questions for you guys. Number one, is there, is, is there an R&B queen like Beyonce? Would she, be a, would she be an R&B queen? See, with Beyonce, she's different because she is in so many different genres now with her music that she has really transformed as an artist as she's getting older. I don't think she's in R&B. Sometimes she's R&B, sometimes she's pop, sometimes she's country. She's, once again, she's in her own lane. That's how big she is to come. And, I mean, so with saying that, and uh, if we go back to the king of R&B one, I don't understand how no one can see that R. Kelly is not the king of R&B, because not only can he make those, you know, seduction songs, but he can do what you just said about Usher, too, and, and, and making a song that takes you to a different place. I mean, he's even stepped in the world of gospel. And, I mean, if you want to talk about rhythm mm. and blues, he's hit every single part of R&B um, that you would want. And I understand um, you brought up John Legend's comments, and I kind of get that as well, because if you go back to even Bill's generation, Look how many R&B artists that people would say, oh, this is the king, this is the king. So there's a lot of great R&B artists, but when you look at R. Kelly, I feel like, especially with the way R&B has uh, expanded and the way it sounds and the topics and everything, I feel like he's hit every single plateau that can be hit in R&B. Um, is it still a black genre, do you think? Without a doubt. When you say R&B, because I'm thinking, if I'm sitting up here on this show and I'm a white, white musician, and I mean, you know, these days, you know, like, wait a minute, I, how come I can't be R and B? What would you What would you say? I mean, it's not that you can't be R and B because or Japanese, or, you know, Chinese, right. or Korean, or, right. or it doesn't matter. Czechoslovakian. Or it, it, it doesn't matter if you can sing and if you can belt out the note and you can tell a story and be great with your lyrics. It doesn't matter who's the artist behind it, as long as the music is displaying great music. I feel like the genre, though, does connect to the black community specifically, though. I mean, look in the name of it, rhythm and blues. Blues comes specifically from, you know, black people telling their stories through, through music. And um, sometimes it's sad. Uh, sometimes it's uplifting. And, and it has different types of sounds to it. Um, so I, that, in that way, I think that's why specifically it is a black genre. But anyone can add to it if you have, the one, the, the singing chops and you can ride that rhythm, so to speak. Uh, well, well said. Well said. So let, let's let's leave the conversation here. But I think it's fascinating. I think it's a really fascinating conversation. Um, uh, let, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about the hottest sports and culture stories of the year. Um, you guys ready for that? 
Yeah, let's go. Let's stay yeah, tuned. And we'll be we'll be back in just a second. Hey, hey. Hold up, hold up. Why don't you be different, be different? Look, hey, hold up. Why don't you be different, be different, yeah. Hold up, why don't you be different, be different, yeah. Hold up, why don't you be different, be different, be different, see different, be different, bleed different. It's that dream in the making, they tell me you gotta be patient. I'm facing this whole generation, all caught up in imitation. Ain't nobody wanna be different, ain't nobody wanna be new. Ain't nobody wanna be one of you. Same ones tell me that ain't true, same ones probably living proof. I've been trying to fit in, I would never listen. Back in the day, in the back of the class, trying to make his laugh, I stay off task. But I still did pass, and I wasn't last, but I wasn't first. It could have been worse. Every week, the fellows and I wade through the news to help you figure out what matters in sports and culture today. Uh, this week, we're going to be rating all the stories we covered and didn't cover to determine the top five issues in sports and pop culture. Uh, we're evaluating everything from the black speed skaters who competed in the Winter Olympics to the movement influenced by Black Panther. Alana, uh, Isaiah, and I are so different when it comes to this, not only because of our ages, but because of our perspective. So rather than act like there's a consensus, I'm willing to hear their opinions, and then I'm going to share my opinion and tell you why I'm right. So let's start with culture stories. Alana, let's hear your list. Uh, now you got to share the story and why you think it deserves to be highlighted. Go. Well, first off, of course, Beyonce, um, when she performed at Coachella, or as we know, Baychella, it was a moment for, especially for her to highlight HBCUs and to see the band, to see her costumes, to see that she honored us in such a highlight, in a great way, in a great um, manner. She basically changed the way we thought of Coachella. And a lot of people, as we know, it's it's a, one of the whitest um events where people go and for her to just take that stage and she owned it it's unforgettable that's one of them um next up would be the royal wedding you know i it was a beautiful it was a beautiful time where they really you know where megan came out with her gown but the interesting about the royal wedding is that megan still today get, has gotten so much backlash of who she is and being accepted into this you know, into this family. People are still on her because of her nail color to how she looks to how she portrays herself. Another um event, you know, that happened, I think with Kanye West, of him tweeting out and kind of going behind his mental health and using mental health as an excuse to act the way he does on Twitter. But there needs, you can't hide behind mental health. You either get the help that you need or you stop what you're doing on Twitter. Like you can't continue to call out artists because you feel some type of way. And yes, Kanye has made some really great music um, in his own lane, but he needs to be stopped. So those are, those are a few things. Isaiah, what do, you, what do you think on that? When you bring up Baychella, I have never seen someone take a show that has uh, so many headlining artists and just make it their own and make it a whole event. So I think, um, it, and especially if you want to go back to the conversation we had earlier about uh, R&B, I mean, she has made herself almost the queen of pop or the, the queen of entertainment so to speak. So I think you had a pretty good list there. But um, if we can, I'd, I'd go ahead and go into mine. I know one uh, would be Kanye, without a doubt. What he did was probably, let me say this in the, I guess, the most nicest way, it was probably the most um, Uncle Tomish. That's probably the most way, that's probably the nicest way I could put it. That's the most Uncle Tomish thing I've seen with his uh, rant that he had in the, uh, in the Oval Office, and then trying to backtrack and distance of himself from the president and politics later. Second would be Drake and what he had to deal with and Pusha T and uh, the the jabs that they had going back and forth with their dis their disc records. And I really thought the Duppy freestyle from Drake was a really good one. And the uh, story of Adenon, a lot of people think it went a little too far with um, Pusha T revealing his son to the world, but. I felt like they should have kept going, because I think in rap we haven't seen that in a while. Um, 
Third would definitely be Meek Mill getting out of jail and releasing his album. And uh, someone else that people aren't really talking about as much is Kodak Black. He came out of jail this year as well. He released the album, and I listened to it from the first track to the last called Die and Live. It was the first mm-hmm. time he listening to Kodak Black and actually thinking, wow, this guy can actually rap. Uh, he has like a, a mumble rap style to him that kind of, I guess, can irritate people and be like, okay, I'm just going to listen to Kodak just, you know, just for the beat. There are some people that just listen to how someone can, you know, ride to the beat, not necessarily the lyrics. But if you really break down uh, Kodak's last album, he talks about a lot of things from, you know, him wanting to change his life around uh, the, his relationship with Tentacion and, and what he wanted to say to him before he died and things like that. So I think he kind of took a big step as an artist. Um, and lastly would be Donald Glover's This Is America. It seems like a lot of people have kind of forgotten it now. But that video and another guy who took the, the style of rap today and kind of put it in his own song and... He touched on a lot of things that America has problems with, whether it's racism, uh, gun violence, uh, so many other things that he talked about in that. And it it, it really kind of woke a lot of people up. And I, I wish more people were still talking about it and the fact that um, what it's had on America and, and how America kind of is looked upon by other countries. But that that's my top five for culture. Wow, wow, wow. That, you guys had a great list. Um you know, my, my my list is uh, it's kind of ongoing, but uh, you know, the 50th anniversary of 1968, the 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 celebrations I thought were um, great, uh, and not you know because part of that was sort of my you know my generation when I came of age, but how people were making connections between that and Kaepernick, which I think is an ongoing big story. It was a big story. Seventy mm-hmm. is a big story last year. Uh, this is ongoing story, and somebody mentioned earlier in the show a bridge. How you know? I think R. Kelly or somebody like it was a bridge from generation to generation. So I think '68 was a great example of the bridges of protests from you know not only '68 but '78 to all the way to 2018. Um, another sports I thought the Eagles won in the Super Bowl was a because they beat. I'm sorry, Alana, because they beat the Boston Patriots, the New England Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> I think any time New England loses, I think it's a big story. Uh, I think that was a big deal. And, um, you know, I think that the ongoing efforts to survive the new administration, I think that's that was a big story in 2018, probably a big story next year. Just uh, the survival is, is surviving, I think, the conversations around surviving, you know, in sports and music and culture. I think surviving for black folks is going to be, was a story in 2018, going to be a story in 2019. Uh, so that's uh, my thing. Um, you know, that's my list, but we'll see. Uh, the, the, the list is, we still have time left. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, you, you've heard from me, you've heard from Alana, you've heard from Isaiah, but, you know, we, we, we didn't want to make this all about uh, me, uh, Alana, and Isaiah. So we've... Uh, got a caller. We've asked uh, Nehemiah Brent, who's a senior at University of Massachusetts Amherst, uh, to join the conversation about the top moments in sports and culture. Um, Nehemiah, welcome to the show. Hey, how y'all doing? That's all good. You know, you're on the line with Alana and uh, uh, and uh, Isaiah George. How y'all doing today? I hope we are having a good day. But I want to say when Boogie joined the Warriors this past summer. I think that was crazy. Like, it's just, and I think it raised, like, awareness in the NBA that, like, a lot of people really just don't care anymore about the art of, like, just, like, competing. They're just like, oh, I just want to win a ring. So I'll join, like, the team with the best players and we're going to win a ring. I don't like that because, like, these are the same players who were, like, a year ago saying, like, oh, I hate Kevin Durant for what he did. But you're going to fall in the footsteps of Kevin Durant. I want to say Cardi B and Offset, just because, like, they're so big that it's it's crazy because what he's doing, she's, like, trying to go live her life, and he's really just trying to disrupt it because he messed up, and he's trying to get a second chance. Well, in the first place, my guy, like, no one told you to cheat in the first place. You really have one job, and it was to stay faithful. 
doing a lot more of trying to get her back than he was when he was uh, with her. Exactly. But it's the way he's really doing helped. it, too. I mean, he disrupted exactly. her headliner at uh, Rolling Loud, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the correct. thing. Yeah. And it was disrespectful. It's very disrespectful. And I think she's, like, the first woman to have, like, headline, like, her own, like, um, performance of, like, Rolling Loud. And, like, you're really going to disrupt that because you want to get her back. And my thing is, he's going to all these other shows with all these other rappers, and he's trying to have them, like, promote it. Like, I think it was, like, 21 Savage was ch- having, having the, the crowd chant, take Cardi back. I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, like, I would have to say the Me Too mo- movement, people who are, like, having a problem with it, I feel like those are the guys who are, like, they have something to hide. Some people are saying, like, oh, it wasn't even that bad. Some some girls are making it a big deal. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're, like, sexually harassing people. Like, that's that's not a big deal. That's, that's, that's not good. <laughs> um, I... I want to say Kareem Hunt. That yo, oh my uh, god, oh my god, oh lord! I seen that video, yo. <laughs> like I don't know what's good with the NFL right now with having all these like abusers in their league. But I think I do. I'm happy that 49ers got rid of him because I seen that video and he kicked that girl. And I was like, yeah, if I seen that, I probably would have definitely got rid of him. He I said he messed up his his chance of like being great again because. Like, what was he, like, one of the top best running backs at the, at the time? But like, he, he kind of screwed that up. Um, a fifth moment, I would have to say the Denver Nuggets, I feel like they might win They just because how they're playing right now and compared to all the other teams because everyone's all focused on having all these star players. But they have a team full of people who aren't – they have, like, one star player, like Nicolette Jokic, but they still have, like, the best record in, like, like the West compared to everybody else, which is, like, it blows my mind, like – I think it's, it's, I like what they're doing just because they're more grit and grind over having a bunch of superstars. And I think they're going to win the Western Conference. Cool. All right. Well, hey, DMI, this is great, man. Listen, thank you so much for calling. Don't be a stranger. Uh, hey, that's DMI Brent. He's a uh, senior at U- University of yep. Massachusetts at Amherst. DMI, thank you so much, man. And I uh, hope you're enjoying the holiday season. Uh, that was great. Um, uh, we, we like to welcome to the line a very special guest, uh, Lisa Wilson, who is a managing editor of the uh, the Athletic and a former sports editor at the Undefeated. Uh, Lisa's joined us to weigh in on the discussion. Uh, Lisa, we've been dating, uh, debating the uh, the hottest stories of the year. Uh, first of all, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for uh, calling in. And um, you know, you've <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, you've um, I know you got a very full a full list of of hot sports stories. But if you had to boil it down to the five hottest stories uh, or the hottest stories of 2018, what would, what would those be? Well, I'm, one thing, obviously, is the league NFL's failure to still sign Colin Kaepernick. I mean, I think that's a story that's going to carry us into 2019. You know, he still has a collusion case, and we're going to have to see how that goes. That's certainly one of them. Um, and I'm not going to keep this all NFL. I'm going to keep this different sports. So I think mm-hmm. you got to have Simone Biles, what she did at the World Championships, coming off a of kidney mm-hmm. stone the night before, which is pretty incredible wow. with her mm-hmm. in the competition at the Worlds. Um, you could take it back to the Eagles winning without Carson Wentz. You want to go back to the beginning of the year, the Super Bowl, with Nick Foles mm-hmm. leading them to victory. But if I had to say a moment, I'm going to also put Tiger Woods in there winning again. Uh, he hadn't won a major. He still hasn't since 2008, but that was his first win on the PGA Tour in, I believe, five years um, at the Tour Championship. So that was the big uh, story of 2018. But if I'm going to say my top sports story of 2018, and this is just mine, I'm going to go with something. There's been two times in my life I've said, I'll never see this in my lifetime. <laughs> first was a black president of the United States. I never thought I would see that in my lifetime, so I was pleasantly surprised to see that uh, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But then the second thing that I never thought I'd see happen in the 2018 sporting year, and that was a number 16 seed beating a one in the NCAA tournament. So I'm going to go with UMBC, mm-hmm. Baltimore County, beating Virginia in the first round of the NCAA tournament, a 16 upsetting a one. And I mean beating them by 20 points. It wasn't like, <laughs> you know, because you know, you expect Virginia to catch up as you go into the game. You know, I believe it was tied at halftime. In the second half, UNBC kept pulling away. 
and you're like, this is really going to happen. I'm going to see a 16 upset a one. So for me, that was the top sports story of the mm-hmm. year, if I had to pick one. What, what happens as, as we move into 2019? I know it's hard to predict the, the future, but what, are you, what, what should we have our eyes on in 2019? The top thing I'm going to have my eye on, because this is just going to be an incredible story if it happens, is Serena Williams. If she mm. comes back and if she ties and even perhaps beats Margaret Court's record of open victories in the open era in major tournaments, she's at 23 right now. She needs 23 to tie Margaret Court, 25 obviously to surpass her. And she already has it for the open era, but this is an all-time, you know, this would be the all-time record. If that mm. happens, with everything that Serena's been through, you know, she had to take a year off her pregnancy, uh, almost died in childbirth, everything mm. she has to deal with, racism, you know, a crazy amount of drug testing, everything. If she comes back and wins that at age 37, to me that's the sports story of 2019, if she wins a major and ties that. And she went to the finals of two last year, Wimbledon in the U.S. Open. So, And she, I think she played maybe seven tournaments, you know. So just uh. imagine, you know, with her having all this time to train and coming back next year. I mean, we can see it happen. If that happens, to me, that's the biggest story of the year. You know, obviously, just of something we know might happen. You never know when, you know, something always pops up during the year that you don't expect. But going into the year, to me, that's the top story that I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, what uh, I, I know that you, um, when you were on the defeated, you, you, you really focused a lot on, on the NFL. And um, um, what, what, if Kaepernick gets signed, how big a story would that be? Um, that'd be huge, but I, you know, I don't think we're going to see it happen. I mean, you guys are the undefeated running that list right now that actually Martensi Johnson, you know, brilliant young journalist, started when I was there. And it's up to 86, I believe it is, 86 quarterbacks signed since Colin Kaepernick mm. opted out of his contract. Mm. I mean, if you, don't, if you haven't seen it by now, I don't know what the chances are. I mean, it would be huge, but I don't see it happening. Mm. Well, before we let you go, prediction. Who's going to be playing in the Super Bowl? <laughs> wow. You know, it, it, it changes all the time for me. I'm going to go with the Saints against the Chiefs. Okay. Who that? <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of Barfield from Xavier in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> okay. At least I got someone's support there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, we're going to have you back on. Just a prediction. When it's, when, it's the, when it's the Bears and the Chargers. <laughs> right. And it, could, and it could be. That defense is amazing. You know, Khalil Mack. You know, that's, I can see that happening, but I'm going with the Saints and Chiefs. All right. Well, it's a great Lisa Wilson. Hey, Lisa, thank you so much for uh, for coming on the show, giving us 2018, looking forward to 2019, and uh, all the best of luck. Have a great uh, – hope your 2019 is tremendous, and thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Okay. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Lisa Wilson, managing editor of The Athletic and the former sports editor at The Undefeated. We've got another caller. Our caller line is blowing up. We've got uh, uh, Princey Walker, who is a senior and a a fellow uh, and a colleague of uh, uh, Alana's at Xavier University, New Orleans. Princey, welcome to the show. Thanks for calling in. Thank you so much, and thank you, Alana, for letting me be a part of the show. Absolutely. So, listen, we're talking about our, our top moments uh, in 2018. Uh, what would be your top three cultural moments of 2018 and your top three sports moments? Okay, so, of course, when I thought of Alana and she called me today, I automatically thought about Beyonce at Coachella, and I'm sure somebody else has already said it, but it was just a groundbreaking moment for people who attend HBCUs, who are associated with HBCU culture, to see such a huge artist go on stage and perform. It was literally amazing to be able to connect and see how she allowed other people to see the HBCU culture in California. So then my second uh, most memorable uh, cultural moment this year actually has to do with politics. And that was definitely the elections, the midterm elections that were held this year. We know we had a lot of expectations in this midterm election season. And so much just, I guess, just just popped out of nowhere, and a lot of people thought that certain people were going to win in the elections, like, for example, in Georgia with Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp. We thought that Stacey had it in the bag, but 
unfortunately, there were so many different elements that were added into this election season and so many people still trying to decipher how the people who everyone thought would expect to take the seat as governors or U.S. Uh, Senate just didn't have that opportunity this year. And it really woke everyone up. This year, this time, we had a lot of people who actually went out and voted, but it still, it just still wasn't enough. So as a community, we have to really understand and see how we can change that in the future. And then my third, of course, most memorable uh, cultural moment would definitely be um, our understanding of how we're dealing with immigration into America and seeing how people are being treated right now. I know that they said people who are seeking, seeking asylum are being held in Mexico right now. But after people we were unveiled. Our eyes were open about how uh, immigrants are treated, especially even in immigration detention centers. So I guess some of these were more negative than positive. Of course, Beyonce is that positive aspect. But, you know, we, we got out as a nation and we, we voted. We, it wasn't the outcome that some people wanted. But there are lots of things that I think as a generation, as a millennial generation, as a younger millennial, our eyes are just open. And we understand now where the state of our nation is in and how we as citizens have to change that. Hmm. Cool. Now, what, moving over to sports, um, what, do you, what, what would be your top three moments in sports? Okay. Where are you so, from, by the way? So, I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. Oh, okay. All right. Yes. So, um, of course, you know, I'm going to start off not with the top one, but this one was huge, LeBron James being traded over to the Lakers. Well, not traded, but he signed with the Lakers. Mm -hmm. it, was, uh, it was unexpected. He was with the Cavs, and me and my dad had several debates, and I was like, come on, he would never leave. But it was, it was, it was another one of those – Ooh, unexpected moments. I kind of thought that he would have stayed home in, in uh, Cleveland, but he didn't, and he wanted to go to L.A. And he's doing great, of course, because he's LeBron James. But it was a very unexpected moment in sports. Now, oh, my gosh, my faves. Oh, the New Orleans Saints. Oh, my, I love my team. I've had a great <laughs> – I'm saying it like I played for the team, but the, when the New Orleans Saints does good in New Orleans – it changes the entire city. And I know that every city can basically say this. Right now they say we have the lowest crime rate since the 70s, and that is crazy. Um, another thing is the Saints are just, they're just on a roll. And though we had that little hiccup with Dallas, you know, it was just a learning moment, and it was a humbling moment. But I hope to see my boys out there. I'm not going to say where I want to see them because I don't want to jinx anything. But I've just appreciated the Saints. The city has totally turned itself around just like how it was in 09 when they went to the Super Bowl last time. It's just amazing. They've done so much community outreach. Personally, it's crazy, but my life has been impacted as well. Right now I'm interning at uh, the New Orleans Center for Creative Arts and it's a performing high school. And it's a school for students who want to be performers and creative artists. And they created a song for the Saints called Shut Them Down. And it was just amazing because they came over, they heard the song, they had a commercial for it, and it's been a great opportunity. Yesterday was my birthday, and I actually got a gift from Michael Thomas. <laughs> so wow. it was, okay. it was, it's been an amazing time, personally, wow. to be with the Saints as well. But um, then my third story, actually, would definitely have to be um, – Nike's collaboration with Colin Kaeper Kaepernick, that was just amazing because it was a in-your-face, yes, he, Colin is not fine right now. We know that. But he is still working and he's getting income, which is great because he did do the ad with Nike. Um, and I thought that was, I just thought that was amazing. So wow. I, I would say those are the three top stories. Well, great list. I hope for your sake and Alana's sake, a top story 2019 will be the Saints <laughs> in the Super Bowl. But uh, yeah. we'll the see. Go marching in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see. You know, you got to be careful of those Cowboys. But listen, hey, Princey, thank you. Thanks so much for calling in, giving us a great a great list. And uh, you know, we'd we'll love to have you back to show maybe uh, around Super Bowl time, so we could either hear you rejoice or cry. No, rejoice. We're going to speak rejoicing into the air. No crying. All right. All right. Very good. Hey, well, Prissy, thank you so much. And we will talk thank to you soon. Have much. a great 2019. You too. All thank right. you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Princey, Princey Walker, a senior at uh, Xavier University. So Isaiah George, what, what were your favorite, uh, your, your, your most significant sports moments in 2018? Um, I think the number one significant sports story in 2018 uh, would probably be Jordan McNair's death um, with the University of Maryland. Uh, one, because just seeing how that affected almost everybody in college football, and then we also talked about this um, on, a sh- on a previous show on how I think this will have implications uh, after the season on every team in, in player safety when it comes to uh, practices and in, in Spring when you're not when you're playing football outside of the uh, fall season, I think it's going to be a lot of more restrictions and and things like that to come from this. And also because me growing up uh, or being born in D.C. And, and growing up just outside the city in Prince George's County, Maryland, this was a big story. You know that hit home for me and me being a fan of the University of Maryland and seeing how negatively the the school was looked upon nationally after that. So I, I think that's probably the biggest story, but my other ones, uh, I'd have to say would be the McGregor-Mayweather uh, fight, just because mm. I, I hadn't seen, I, one, when I first started hearing about the possibility of the fight, I didn't necessarily take it seriously. I, I didn't think it was going to get that far, but to see it actually come to fruition, and, and then two, it being an actually good fight, McGregor didn't allow Mayweather to run around, so to speak. He 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 was in there and he boxed. He fought. That was an actual fight, and I, and I love that about that fight. Um, three would have to be something I think a lot of people have forgot. Uh, Shakila Hill from Grambling State University. Uh, she had a quadruple oh, yeah. double. And I mean, when you look at just her season altogether, she was in the SWAC alone. She was number four in scoring. Uh, she was number three in rebounds. She was number one in assists. Uh, you name it, she did it. She was also number one in steals. For the swag, um, and that quadruple double was was just a, a snippet of it. And I just wish people talked about the season that she had overall. And even this year, she's averaging uh, 16 points a game um, already. And I think they've beat one of their last teams that they beat. If I'm, I'm not mistaken, was Indiana. Uh, so they got a win outside a conference that was big as well. So um, that's another thing. And also, Monet Davis coming to Hampton. I think yeah. that's huge. Uh, that's really huge for HBCU, someone with her caliber uh, in, in sports. And she's going there to play softball, obviously. But I think that's going to give not only Hampton a lot of attention, but HBCUs overall. And number five, I, I just had a, I guess i got to be a homer here. Morgan State's win over A&T and, and stopping their, their <laughs> tremendous win streak that, that um, filled over from the season before. I think that was that was probably really good for um, not only us as a football program moving forward, but just for the MEAC as, as well, just showing that we have competitive teams um, from top to bottom. Ah, goodness. Uh, Alana, what, about, what, what are your five sports uh, moments? No, that was really a good Yeah, of course. That was, that a, good was list. Really a good list. Yeah. Um, I think just adding on, a lot of the events were taken, but, you know, Talking about the Red Sox and how they won this year for the World Series, um, it, they played great. You know, it was one of their best seasons yet. I think we need to really recognize that, especially for, you know, baseball world. Um, another one I would say about the Buckeyes coach, you know, Urban Meyer, how he was suspended from the beginning of the first three games because of the allegations that were against him. That was a big um you know, news item that was on everybody's mind, you know. And then also, if we look at LeBron, and I know that we already talked about how LeBron went to the Lakers, but we don't talk about how he, you know, opened a school in his name and, you know, talking about how he's giving the less fortunate an opportunity and how LeBron is really giving back inside, you know, his community and the people around him, if we look at um and if we look at also, if we go back to Serena Williams and Colin Kaepernick, if we really take a approach on and seeing Nike, the Nike's campaign of what they did with Kaepernick, I think that was one of the moments that was huge on social media and what a lot of people looked at as a moment that Nike kind of is changing their ways of, not changing their ways, but they've always been on the side of, you know, being an advocate. And, of course, with Serena Williams, um, 
at the U.S. Open and, you know, really standing her ground. All right. Wow. Great list. Great list. Um, you know, we could um, keep debating the top five and top ten uh, until next week, but we're going to leave the conversation there. Thanks to Lisa Wilson. Uh, thanks to Nehemiah. Thanks to Princey. Uh, but we cannot close out the last show of the year without, just really quickly, really, really quickly, Christmas music or Christmas movie. Just really quickly. Alana, what's your favorite, either Christmas movie or Christmas song? Okay, Santa Baby. Santa Baby. <laughs> what about you, Isaiah? Uh, I have to say my favorite Christmas movie is Friday After Next. And a lot of people may not see it as a Christmas movie, but when you, you, you really have to look at it. It is. It's about Christmas at the end of the day and overcoming everything, being around your people, even if you get your, uh, your gift stolen by a, a hood Santa. Well, mine is uh, it's, it's nothing, nothing better than Matt King Cole singing uh, the Christmas song, uh, Timeless. Anyway, there you have it, <laughs> whether you ask for it or not. Uh, listen, everybody, feel free to join the conversation by tweeting us your favorite holiday movies and music. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, let us know what you listen to and watch during the year. Just tweet us at the undefeated, hashtag Rodenfellows, or contact us directly. I'm on Twitter as well at WC Roden. That's WC Roden. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Alana B underscore. That's underscore A-L-L-A-N-A-B underscore. I'm also on Twitter and the gram at underscore underscore man of the hour. Uh, Mr. Roden, last time we were on, you said something about you share your Instagram handle. I believe I found it, but I, I, I don't want to put it out there unless you don't. Oh, you can't. But, 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 I, but I want to tell you, and uh, Alana and uh, your, your colleague, Janae, I'm following all of you on Twitter, so I don't want to hear it anymore. Yes, Isaiah, <laughs> you have permission. You can give you can give them my you can give them my Instagram. So it's Roden Inc. Everybody, R H O D E N I N K. Cool. So do whatever you do. Hit me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Isaiah. Hey, and, and thank you for listening to HBCU 468, the Roden Fellows Podcast. This show is produced by the wonderful Aaron Matthewson. Special thanks to Tarika Foster-Brasby and Kyrie Williams. Get all of the HBCU 468 podcasts as well as The Plug, The Right Time with Bomani Jones, and Morning Roast by subscribing to The Undefeated on the Listen tab of the ESPN app. Join us next week for another HBCU podcast, and don't forget to make The Undefeated your go-to site for a soulful look at sports and entertainment. Have a great week, everyone.